so many, but you know what? The first thing that just came to mind was talking about past lives, other incarnations that I've had with him. Right. And that was huge. It would be, I was like, it would be, I could sit and talk to an, an hour with him and talk about different incarnations. And it so helped me to understand that I didn't have ownership over him. Right. Yeah. Because it was like, what do you mean I was married to you? Oh, that took a whole different twist to everything. Yeah, it took you out of that so, role as mom, right? Out of the yes, role. Yes, and it yeah. really helped um, because I never even considered that. You know, I believed in incarnation, but it was very limited. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it so helped me to understand the different roles we play so I can look at different characters in my family and see different aspects of different people. But then it was like, I've had played this role with Adam before also where he was my child, at least two that I, that he's brought to mind. I'm, I'm sure there's multiple where he died young. One, I caused the accident. Wow. Another one where wow. is I was so grief stricken. I numb myself and died from alcoholism. Wow. So do so I this one was day. You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive always spectacular to be with you again i have the beautiful sarah kajawa on the show with me today welcome sarah. thank you thank you for having me on and sarah has an amazing story about life love and the universe and remember if you like the shows please subscribe and share them with your friends and leave us a comment or send me an email if you've got questions we're going to talk all about death and life and psychic being psychic and and guidance we're going to have a juicy show today because sarah's got so much to share let me let me just read you sarah's bio and you'll get a bit of an idea of who she is sarah kajawa is a psychic medium who specializes in grief counseling Sarah's son Adam transitioned in 2014 when he was 28. This experience put Sarah on an intense healing journey of relearning and understanding that life continues and our loved ones are not gone or lost to us. She and her family began receiving signs from Adam immediately after his passing. This inspired Sarah to look deeper into the afterlife reality and took her on an intense healing journey uh, as Sarah went through her grieving process, she released many limiting ideas of herself and who she thought she was and realized that Adam was with her every step of the way, encouraging her from his new address in another realm. In the fall of 2015, Sarah began offering Reiki sessions, intuitive guidance and angel messages. This helped her to rebuild her life purpose and propelled her forward. As she healed, her intuitive abilities strengthened and her mediumship became her new way of doing life. Sarah and Adam created a Facebook group called Doing Grief Differently with Adam and Sarah. The primary focus of the group is to help people raise above their traumas by providing tools to help their grieving with their grieving 
and to rewire their limiting beliefs and ideas about themselves and what is possible. They bring new understandings to what it is to be human today when we know life is not happening to us, but for us. So let's hear about how this started, because uh, I think like me, you always say that, you know, you don't have to be special or gifted to be a psychic medium that we all are. You just have to recognize it and expand, right? You just have to, right, right. You just have to rec have open up to that, the different concepts. Yeah. I was raised Catholic. Mm. So there was a lot of guilt and worry that I was brought into and I carried that into parenthood. Mm -hmm. uh, and when Adam was born, I always, I had this feeling that he was going to have a short life. I didn't yeah. know what to do with it. I didn't know how to expand on it. I thought it was something I could control mm -hmm. as a mother. You know, it was like my worst nightmare. So in a sense, I put myself in a place of wanting to control it. I didn't know what to do with it. And that might be from my beliefs and understandings. Yeah. And I didn't have the same feeling when my daughter was born. So I knew there was something different there. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time worrying about them. Not being proactive, but worrying, you know, other than, you know, constantly making him worry because <laughs> out of my worry and, and which in hindsight, you know, that was part of the plan. And, you know, but um, and then when he, he made it through his teenage years and through his partying stage, I thought, oh, we've made it. Wow. Then I had a few intuitive hits. About three years before he passed, a neighbor stopped by who she didn't know Adam and already had moved, grown and moved out of the home but she stopped by and she goes I had an intense dream of your son last night and something bad happened to him mm -hmm. and I just it all flooded up all those memories of everything I had thought about through his childhood mm -hmm. and, and I just fear. became I was fear I was shaking mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do same thing it was like what do I do and I told my husband and another neighbor you know, and they were just saying, oh, she's kooky or, you know, they're just saying because of her belief system or whatever, that they shouldn't, she shouldn't have done that. But I know that was part of it to kind of prepare me in a strange way. Um, and so I kind of set that to the side. And then weeks before Adam's passing, I'd never really physically, you know, internally or externally heard spirit, or I remember hearing spirit. I always felt I had maybe some psychic gifts, but i just thought it was wishful thinking or I was manifesting it, right? And then uh, several weeks before he passed, um, I was in the kitchen and I was on the floor in the bottom cupboard cleaning out pots and pans. And there was a pan that I was going to, that was given to me that by my mother, that was her mother's, and I was going to pass it on to Adam. And uh, I heard a voice say, well, he won't be here to use it. Mm. But everything's going to be okay. And it was like so strong and it was a female presence. It was as if they were kneeling next to me, talking to me. And I just remember saying either, all right, I didn't know what to do with it, but it wasn't scary. It was almost, almost comforting in a bizarre way. Mm -hmm. But I thought, well, I'd have no one to share this with. I'll just kind of log that back in with my other stuff. Yeah. And then fast forward. Um, when we received the knock on the door and I answered the door, which was the day after, it was hours afterwards because there was a work investigation. And, um, you know, I was told that he, he died tragically in a work accident and um, he died immediately. And all that started flooding up. Everything started coming up to the surface, all these memories. And it was like, 
it was almost as if someone had taken a file cabinet and pulled out all the drawers and dumped them. And I could, had no sense of time. It was like, what is going on? Like my whole life just shifted completely, almost like it flattened. Yeah. And then I walked into the home. My husband came in and kicked the coffee table. My daughter was home still. She had actually returned just the night before. So that was part of the big plan too. She had already gone off back to college. This was right after Christmas. Yeah. And uh, she came home to go fishing with her dad the day before. And she wore her brother's fishing shirt. And she had been texting back and forth because she was so excited that she got her one day of fishing in before you know, the semester started. And uh, it was a rainy, icky day on top of that. So they shouldn't even have been fishing. It was like, this was like a last minute trip to, to do this. Um, so she was at the home when we got the knock on the door. So all three of us were in the home when we got the knock on the door. And then of course, everything completely fell apart. Walked, I walked in the house in shock and denial, of course. My husband walks back in, kicks the coffee table, and I had Teresa Caputo's book on the coffee table that I had bought for myself for Christmas because Santa didn't bring it to me like I asked. <laughs> I, just, I just finished the book the night before, the night of the wow. accident. Wow. I had it sitting on the coffee table. He kicks the coffee table. It flies off the coffee table. That's the only thing that fell off out of everything on the coffee table. It flipped over with cover up facing at my feet with Teresa's you know, face looking up at me. Wow. And I looked at my daughter and I looked at the book and I said, oh my God, this is my life. Wow. I picked it up and I slung it across the room and I just said, no, you know, started screaming, of course, no and no. So backtrack, I had gone to see Teresa Caputo live about six weeks before, four to six weeks before. Yeah. That was my first time to go to a gallery reading or to a medium live. Mm. And so it was like everything was lining up to prepare me to believe yeah. in it. Yeah. So yeah. being brought up Catholic, you were taught not to believe in it. Like I think that Catholics believe that psychic ability is a sin. I have a friend. Was she Catholic? I think she's born again. And she's always telling me, but she's always going off to see psychics. You know, it's a sin, but let me go and see another psychic. <laughs> right. Like you say, you say it's a sin, you admit to it, but then you go otherwise. <laughs> you go in the parking lot and you start cussing and drinking. <laughs> um, yeah, so growing up, and I was the youngest of four children, so I didn't get as impacted with the Catholic structure as the older siblings did. Okay, it's kind of yeah, like yeah. There was, they were a little bit lean, more lenient with me. I didn't have to go to a Catholic school or anything. Yeah, but yeah. the point being, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to question whatever the priest said, that's what you did. It was yeah. back, because I was born in 60. So it was, that, was the, that was just the era of whatever was said, you believed that that was the truth. Yeah. Whether it was your teacher, any authority figure at the time, I felt that I couldn't question because, not that it was a sin, that it was wrong. Mm. And so that I had to undo all that, because now I see those patterns in my whole childhood with authority figures, you know? Uh, and a lot of the, the hurts and um, lack of self-love I had growing up because of a lot of that. Mm. Uh, and so that put me on the spiral of asking, just starting to ask. Just asking, yeah. So just starting think, to ask. Do you think that having those clues all the way, like even that feeling when he was born, that he, do you think that helped? helped sort of the impact it, it helped. of the event 
I think it helped me because I knew then I knew for sure there was a much bigger plan that I couldn't even fathom. Right. Yeah. That there truly are no accidents, even though this was a, a freak, bizarre, blatant accident. That, but yet I, I could go up here and go, this was an accident. This was not an accident. Mm -hmm. I see that there is a bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. Now what do I do? Yeah. So it was that soul searching. It was like, so I began and I took on the grief physically, like within two days, my back, my hamstrings, everything just uh, balled up. Like it was, it would hurt just to be in fetal position. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. So I started searching for alternative ways to heal. And that took me, of course, my Google search took me right to Reiki, which I'd never heard of. There are Reiki practitioners all over around by me. I'd never heard of that, even though I was in health and fitness my whole life. Yeah. Never heard of it because that's not where I was. That was not the lane I was in. Yes. And uh, so my sister, who my sister and my niece, who's only 10 years younger, uh, they started investigating and looking at different therapies because I had gone to several doctors on this pain. And of course, they're just wanting to give me some type of pharmaceutical whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and then finally one doctor said, he goes, it's, you need to move forward in life. And then it was like, click. Oh, I'm holding on to it. I'm not moving this energy out of my body. How long after was that advice given to you? Oh, probably like six or eight weeks after. Oh, pretty soon. Isn't pretty it interesting? Soon. Isn't it interesting how the pain you know, propels us into a new view. It's like, as you say, you're in the health, like you were working as a fitness instructor, right? You're in the health and physical health industry. And yet energy medicine was not even presented to you. Like you didn't even see it, even though it's all around you until pain. And, and this is, this is kind of what the pan, you know, the virus and the pandemic's been doing. It's been asking people to look at health in a different way, hopefully, um, hopefully, hopefully. Yes, to slow so, down, right? Yeah. Slow down and start looking because we've never taken the time to slow down at, worldwide, let alone, right? Yeah. Um, so that put me on the path of like, oh, well, let me figure out ways. I didn't want to move forward, of course. Right. I wanted to go backwards. I wanted yeah. to redo, yeah. of course. You know, my world shattered. My whole, it shattered everything because Adam is such a light. You yeah. know, he was such a bright, he had so much charisma, he still does, but so much charisma, so much generosity. He was just pure at heart. Like everyone was his best friend. He was just that kind of guy. Yeah. You know, and I joke around even before he passed that he reminded me of, do you know that John Travolta movie called Michael? About yes. Archangel Michael? Yes. That's what Adam was like. The girls would just, there was just something about him. It was like that. That's so funny that you say that. Mind you, that John Travolta character was like, yeah, he had that sort of charisma that everyone was drawn to, but he was like overweight and, you know, like a right? big blob. And, <laughs> but he I just had it. Like, the cookie smell. The fresh cookie smell. The cookie smell. I had a friend that was like that. I, he was a friend of my husband's, best friend of my husband's. He died at 36, uh, just dropped dead. And he was like, he was very tall and blonde and very handsome. And the, the he was irresistible to women. Like, if he was over at my place and a friend came over, you should have seen their faces. They were just, they couldn't stop sort of staring and flirting and giggling at him. And I used to think, how does he do that? You know, like, because I was immune to his charms. Yeah, and right. 
but it's 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 interesting um a, ma a master really a master spirit uh, adam and and people could sense it they think they think it's sexual attraction but it's another attraction really right so. right 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 and they felt safe like he would they would go to him for help or guidance or you yeah. know to lift them up or whatever it was and it was like and i didn't recognize a lot of those parts because he was my son right i didn't see a lot of those things until you know later because i was still in mom mode for such a long time that i wasn't seeing him as this amazing adult yeah I wasn't recognized as the different qualities, you know? So at 28, um, was he still living with you? No, he had moved out right out of high school. Out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yes, but he uh, was working. The accident occurred in Colorado, which uh -huh. is about four states away, which is beautiful mountainous country. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, and the crazy part about this. So he was not looking forward to go on this job, going to this job. It was a contract job. He wasn't looking forward. He even opened up to me and said that he was a little worried about this, taking on this job because of the weather elements, you know, being at wintertime, harsh elements, you know, his oil and gas and pipeline work. And uh, I said, well, you know, he goes, well, I can't turn it down. This is how you do your contract. Then you don't get to bid on the next job or however that works. And so he said, and he was replacing someone else that didn't want that job, so what he was doing, right. which was a friend of his. So I know he went through guilt over this. Um, and so, of course, the accident happened. It, all, those, all those nuggets all the way up of him saying different things like that. Like, for instance, I pack him, typical mom, I pack him this emergency kit for the roads, you know, in the work truck to get there that has a flare and all these things in it. I don't have that stuff in my car, but I packed it for him for his road trip. And where the site of the accident happened was out in the country, you know, on someone's ranch or cattle property, where I was like, was I seeing this about the flare, needing a flare to put up in the, not that they used that because they couldn't even get cell service on the emergency phones to get an ambulance. Mm -hmm. They had to go out to the major roadway to do that. Mm -hmm. But it was like, was I sensing all this was going to happen when I packed that, you know, that bag for him days before? So all those little things started adding up, you know? So back to the, the grieving process, um, since I had witnessed Teresa giving live messages, sometimes just a one-liner messages, you know, at a gallery reading of several hundred people, um, I was fascinated by that. Because I, in my view, was, oh, she's Catholic. You know, you, you pick up all, James Jr. probably Catholic. You know, yeah. these are, so I have these, I have them all in a box. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I thought that you, you know, you had to be specially gifted or this is, you know, da, 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 not ever, that everyone can. So my beliefs really were so, so limited. On, I believed that certain people could mm -hmm. or um, like they had to earn it or something. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like the typical religious dogma feeling of you have to earn it, you earn your, earn your right into heaven. Uh, and then I realized, well, if she can do it, I can do it. This is before, right before Adam passed. But that's like, well, that's not my stuff. Why would I want to do that? You know, most of my family's already in spirit. I've already went through a lot of losses, but it was never a pull. Like Adam was the pull. Mm -hmm. Like, where are you, Adam? I need to know where you are. I need to know that you're safe and sound. I need you to, I need to prove it to myself. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. And not hearing it from someone else directly, which is fine, but I needed to know. So I knew that it was almost like a soul plan kicked in right away, Mm. like in a bizarre way. Not that I wanted it. (laughs) I refused it many a times. You know, grief can take you to your knees and beyond. Yeah. But I knew I needed to because there was something very vital and important that I needed to do to help others. I just didn't know what to do with it because mm-hmm. my life was very structured. You go to work at this time, you do this, very regimented. I didn't think I was regimented, but I was. Mm-hmm. So this was um, a lot of unlearning and becoming more flexible and uh, opening up to different like spiritual teachers like you <laughs> and many of you. Yeah. And understanding that like, oh my gosh, there is so much out there. It's not like you get a degree. It's not like you get a through. You have to open up your heart. And Adam cracked my heart wide open, completely open where I was raw. Um, And then I realized that I I kept getting these hints and feelings like I agreed to this in some bizarre way. But I didn't know what to do with that. So it made me dig, Mm. start soul searching so you were six weeks into grieving and and a doctor says you've got to move forward in that six week period did you have like psychic communication with adam or was it just signs like you know things sort of like music on the radio and right in the in the lights and different yes like this this huge thing happened to us hours before he passed okay he has a daughter who's now 11 Okay. She was in kindergarten at the time. A few hours before he passed, she was at her kitchen table with her mother, and she was drawing a picture. She drew it while she was cleaning up the kitchen. She put it on the counter. We didn't know about Adam's accident until the following morning, and I'm the one that notified my granddaughter's mother that morning. Wow. She, we flew to where the accident happened in Colorado. We flew there. We get a text. My, my daughter gets a text saying from the, my granddaughter's mother saying, you won't believe this. I asked my, I'll say, my granddaughter asked her what this drawing is. And of course, you know, a five-year-old, it's going to be it's stick figures and different things. It was two mm-hmm. pieces of paper taped together with a small hill and a large hill. Up on the large hill, there's a cross with a person on it and some like jagged edges coming out of it. My daughter was not, my granddaughter was not raised in a church, hadn't attended church, doesn't go to Sunday school. So this was not some learning she's already been exposed to. The smaller hill is two sick figures and it's of her and it's of Adam. And so she asked, and there were birds and angels that she had drawn in the sky. And she said, what is this? She goes, I'm walking daddy Adam up to Jesus. So this was hours before the accident. Wow. So it was like, oh, my God. So I learned about it. I took it, and I said, I can't even deal with this right now. I am in the midst of too many things in those first 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I see what a beautiful gift. Yeah, like what? And so I was like, what do you mean she drew? What? I mean, I didn't know what to do with it. You got to deal with bodies and funerals and gatherings. And there's a lot of logistics, you know, when somebody, you know, drops their body, they like drop my body and deal with it. Will you? (laughs) Right. My body. Now you have to deal with my body. And of course, you know, 
you know, my husband and I have already talked about how, w- what we want done with our services and everything, but we yeah. weren't even thinking Adams, of course, yeah, no one yeah. wants to think about their child. Cause you think it's like you're jinxing something in some way. Right. So let me ask you, does she communicate with him? She did in those first few years. She but did. She it was amazing. She is 11 now. So when she hit about eight, I think when different concepts and things were going on mm-hmm. in school. Mm-hmm. And then I did ask her, And she said, oh, I was just hearing Daddy Adam in my head. Yeah. And so I said, Adam said, just let her go. It's going to come back around. Yeah. You know, because she's into fun stuff and being a kid. Yeah. And, um, you know, and she has a wonderful stepdad. So she's in a wonderful family. So I I can't push those, you know, push that. Um, But I know, you know, and on hard hard part was for me, me was understanding I couldn't wrap my head around him not being here for Isn't her, it? not just me, but for his daughter, because I thought, how tragic is this? You know, and then I, then when I started communicating with Jesus, so my Catholic upbringing said, well, it's safer to start talking to the ascended masters and the archangels. Okay. So that's what I did. Okay. I felt safe and secure. That was my Catholic upbringing. Plus my Reiki mentor, she channeled the saints as yeah. a child and continued uh-huh. on with the archangels. And so right. it was like, Oh, okay, I can do that. And then I can get a message. Like I had to finagle my way through somehow. I don't know. I had to go through the chains. I don't know. And, um, but it so helped me because it gave me a foundation to work with the send masters and the archangels because Adam was more jovial and fun-like versus Jesus felt more like a serious brother to me. And oh, so, he has the best yeah. sense of humor, Jesus. I tell you. He does, <laughs> but he knows it's like, it's a different, it's, I don't know, compared to Adam's energy. Uh-huh. You know how you can just tell? Uh-huh. So I would go, well, I know Jesus, not, he's going to tell me. Mm-hmm. I, he was my, like, my go-to, right? And I felt safe and secure with him. Um, and he said, you know, that even though Adam wasn't here in the physical and I am not in the mom role with him anymore, but to know that, you know, Adam is guiding his daughter and he is with her at all times. So that gave me that sense. Well, if Jesus said that, then I'm good. I got that. <laughs> right. That's what I needed to hear. Right. And so that gave me peace instantly. Yeah. You know? So, um, it's been a crazy journey. Would I wish it on anyone else? No. Yeah, you probably wouldn't, but like a lot of people go through it because death, you know, death is, uh, no one's getting out of here alive, right? So we're all, you know, death is going to visit everybody. I, I had a woman stay with me years ago who was in her 60s and she had never had anyone close to her die. And I said, really? Oh, wow. Not a best friend? Not, not, you know, not a relative. And she said, no. I said, how do you get to 60 and never have anyone? Like I was so amazed. Right. Interestingly enough, she had to go home suddenly because her mother got sick. It was really weird. Uh, she came from Canada. So it was so strange that she'd reached 60 and never had, you know, death. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all going to experience mm-hmm. the transition of somebody we know, mm-hmm. someone close. It's, um, it's inevitable. And I think that as humans, we need to understand that there is no death. 
I think our biggest fear is as parents is that our child is going to die before we do, mm. you know? Um, and I had to really work through and understand that I never could control his journey to begin with. I thought in a sense I could, my worry was my way of controlling it, you know, yeah, when he was yeah. young. Yeah. And, and now looking back, I was like, I can't believe I thought that way, but that's how I felt at the time. That's mm-hmm. the way I was living. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opened up so many doors and it continues to open up every single door. You know, I like to dabble a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and I have a different relationship. You know, like we talked about, um, say, with Elisa and Eric, we're all in a different place and understanding that we, we continue on. It's not, of course, I miss him physically. Of course I do. I miss him the way he was. But I had to get to that point of acceptance, which was huge. Accepting yeah. so I could move forward. And that released a lot of the grief in my body, you know, when I opened up other doors. Mm. I think that uh, what death does as well is that um, well, we get so attached to our roles, you know, who we are as the mother, the caregiver, wow. the mother, supposed to keep you safe. And I think that grief is really an attachment to our role. You know, when I watch Elisa, so obviously Sarah and Elisa are good mates, Elisa Medhuth through Channeling Eric. When I watch Elisa go into any sort of grief, it's always when she's back in her role as his mother. Yes. Instead of the Elisa that is changing the world, basically, through what she's doing with Channeling Eric, right? And when she, when she dons the role of, uh, I'm, she goes into the missing. And when I had her on the show, she said that it was when he wrote that book through, um, through Jamie, the second mm-hmm. book, and she knew exactly what he was doing, you know, in his new reality that she stopped grieving. But when she dons that role as the mother, she goes back into that grieving. And, um, and not having that role as the mother is who we are, you know, in our true sense, because we play these roles. We play, you know, mother, sister, daughter, wife, or husband, brother, you know, healer, podcast host. You know, we, we don these roles, but we are none of it. And when we don't identify with that role that we're playing, work colleague, business person, whatever role, when we don't identify, but we re-identify with our true nature, which is infinite and creative and expansive, then yeah, fear doesn't exist and grieving doesn't exist. It's only inside the role does the pain exist really, isn't it? Yeah, grieving is quite a process and a roller coaster for many. And that is those um, letting go of those limited beliefs about ourselves you know, and all the conditioning we've been through for decades, then you realize, then you can kind of, you know, step out of it and go, oh my gosh, no, yeah. (laughs) Then you can kind of understand everyone's path, you know, and see how the roles that everyone else playing in your life too, and go, oh, they're just playing their role. And that helps take the hit off of everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the role they're playing. So when was it that you started really knowing that you were connecting to Adam in a a psychic way and like walk us through your expansive because this is a conversation I have with my tribe and actually in the last inner sanctum synchronicity I was getting them to like do guidance on each other and um, 
one of them is channeling amazing wisdom but and she was saying you know channeling it by writing it comes really fast and really easily but speaking it there's a new fear that kind of <clears throat> comes up you know yes. there's a new fear of yes. speaking it and um, I've, I've seen that with a lot of healers actually who have had this 180 degree turn from being in the corporate world and now they're channeling spirit and then again speaking it is different than actually just writing it down so um yeah well, i think that is one journey. of one of our greatest fear fears is speaking publicly yeah you know and i think a lot of because that was my throat chakra i could feel it you know when adam passed it's like oh i've got some work to do yeah and it was a lot i could it was almost like i did an in life review you know that yeah. many go through through the grieving process mm -hmm. and looking at all those emotional things i've been through in my life where i felt you know stuffed and, and, and suppressed in my voice and it was like i needed to clear this up and be able to work on this to be able to speak but i started when i started uh and i learned this from my ranky mentor because we would do intuitive circles once a week mm -hmm. a little bit of everything from galactic beings to the archangels a little bit of everything past lives all kinds of fun stuff right and um i said oh i'm just open i'm open i want to be a sponge because obviously I was a dry sponge before and now I'm ready to soak it all up. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't know it. Right. Uh, and I began doing automatic writing. Yeah. And using the pendulum, using different tools where I could use my other, all my senses and play with that. I even remember in this room, this was Adam's bedroom when he was a small child. So I turned this into my healing room office. Oh, wow. Lovely. And yeah. And so I remember in those beginning months, I had my first reading at six weeks out. I felt I had to, I felt this push to do it and that I needed those verbal validations, you know, if some, even just funny things, it could be funny things, but it was so enough to push me to go. Oh when you gosh. say you had your first reading, you went to, a I went to one. A yes. reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just shook me. It shook me and it shook my niece who was with me because I wasn't even a place to drive on the freeways yet. Right. And um, it was like my whole world just flipped again. Why? What did she say? Because like for the reading was um, the first gentleman um, who was out of the Dallas area. And he, he grabbed my hands and he said, well, there's a younger male. And then he gave the initials of my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my mom and my dad. And he's talking about this, this, and this. And then he says, well, don't, he, Adam, or he goes, your son need, wants to make sure that you're not going to sell the motorcycle. And I go, sell the motorcycle. I was like, I'm in shock. You know, I'm just like, what? He goes, I don't know what the hell he means, but all I know is, <laughs> he goes, this stuff comes through and I just say it, you know, he's going on and on. And I was like, this is real. Because I've never, never had a reading done on me ever like right. that. Okay. So. Uh -huh. Like I said, it was all out there. It wasn't in here. And it was like, I came home, I was shaking. Actually, I'd gone to one of Adam's friends' parties and many of his friends were there. And I opened up to it because I told him I was gonna go. Okay. I, um, and gave him different messages, you know, that I'd heard that day. Um, and the following day, 18 hours later, we get a knock on the door of someone wanting to buy Adam's motorcycle. Wow. And it was like, oh my God. And he said, don't sell it. And the reason we weren't supposed to sell it to this gentleman is because he was wanting to buy it for his 13-year-old son. So this was a, a big, powerful dirt bike that was not something to start with. So 
I'm not saying it was dangerous, but it wasn't fitted for a young starting out motorcycle, you know, a young teenager. Yeah, yeah. So it took us on a process and we ended up selling the motorcycle to another one of Adam's friends who was into motorcycles and his last name is Adams. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it worked out beautifully, but it was like, I had, I had to be able to stop and pause and connect the dots. You know how you want everything right away to fit. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So um, also your mic keeps hitting your collar too. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just pull it out. Let me push it. Um, so when he came through the first medium and said, don't sell my motorcycle, did he say anything else? Oh, he gave different things, talking about like a plate of lasagna, which we'd had everyone over at our house eating lasagna. I mean, just fun, easy validations that were enough to uplift me and shift me. Like this you have on, that watch you have on, that was his. Yes. You know, different things like that was, I just needed those little nuggets and I went with it. I didn't doubt it at all. It was just what I needed to push me a little bit. Yeah. Not that I didn't sink, you know, in those weeks and months. Of course I did. Yeah. Um, well, it says internet unstable. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit blurry. The storms in the air. I think that, you know, different psychics have different levels of contact and different purposes. And I think that when people go to psychics, there are, I think that a lot of people have a, too much expectation from many readers because they're sort of thinking that maybe because they have access to, um, validation, like you said, you had some validation that they've got access to higher wisdom and it's not necessarily the case. Right. I was just having this conversation with a friend walking yesterday. He was saying that he went to see a reader and this reader brought through his dead mother or something and, and um, gave him a lovely message, nothing profound. And he said that he sent all these other friends to her because she has great access to people's um, personalities of their dead relatives. And he was saying that the friend that he sent this week had always wanted to speak to her dead sister and had never, oh, I don't know, never had any contact or something. So she went to the reader and the sister came through straight away. But she came through in the personality. And so when she asked the message like, um, did you die of a drug overdose? The sister said, none of your business. And then when she said, <laughs> when she said, um, did you, what's it like on the other side? She also said, none of your business. And I said to David, so this reader is channeling the personality of the person and not the soul of the person because they don't have access to the soul, which is a different vibration, but they have access to their personality, which was this sort of like, you know, resistant sort of rebellious right. energy. And it's so fascinating. So you can't go to that reader for higher guidance, but you can definitely go for validation, for validation. that there yes. is life after death. Because yes. Lee, who left the reading, said she loved it because it was exactly her sister's personality that came through. And so That's there was that needed. validation. Yeah, That's yeah. That's what she needed. And it sounds like yeah. you had that with your first reading. And I, and I did. And that's what I needed. I had yeah. a few other readings um, that were all, they're all, each reading was different. Yep. Uh, and um, one, another one where it was close to the holidays, the holidays were coming and I didn't know how I was going to make it through, of course, because there was not a Christmas I didn't spend with my son, no matter where he was. Yeah. And I had that psychic kick hit even, uh, couple years before he passed because he was working out of town on different contracts. And it was like, 
he said he didn't know if he was going to make it home. And this was the two Christmases before. And I, and I told my husband, I said, if he's not coming home, we're going to him. And he goes, what are you talking about? We'll just celebrate in a couple of weeks. He goes, I said, no, I've never not had a Christmas with him. I'm, we're going to. And it wasn't to be mean. It was just something that came through me. And I said it again the following Christmas, even though he did get to come home for three or four days. And then when he went back is when the accident happened. But um, so I had all that coming through. I just didn't, didn't know what to do with that information, right? So um, back to that question I asked you, what the was the first communication yeah. you had with him through you that you knew that you were actually connected to him in spirit? Oh, there were so many. Um, I could first, I mean, feeling him, I could feel his presence. Right. I could feel, actually feel him. So that was something what the Reiki taught me was to learn how to feel for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. To get out of the thinking mode. Yep. It was a hard one to change, but that's what the Reiki in classes taught me. It was to feel like just yep. close your eyes and feel for him. Yep. And then I would get different memories or different things come up that I know he would say like a yep. one-liner joke or whatever would come through and they'll be like, is that him? I'm not sure. Was that him? You know, that whole doubting thing. Uh, and then I started doing the automatic writing. And things would just come through like the higher essence. And it's like, well, this isn't me. I'm not sure what this is, yeah. but it's profound. I don't know where it's coming from. And um, it took me through many cycles of figuring out which part do I want to connect? I want to connect with all of it, but I want to have daily conversations with him too, to mm-hmm. help others. Mm-hmm. You know? And then using the pendulum, we, we learned using the pendulum in Reiki to balance chakras, you know, to check your chakras. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can do this to use to help me communicate as a tool, you know? And so that helped me too. I could just feel, I could feel him in me. Like I feel, I could just feel his essence. Um, I would even in the beginning feel kisses on my face. Nice. Like it would be wet where I would just like, like what? You know, so it took me to a place of wanting to move forward mm-hmm. and um, kind of bridge that gap more. Mm-hmm. And then learning about where's my vibration. I've got to get my place self in a place of be able to receive it. You know, because yeah. that's a lot when you're in grief. It's very hard because you, you're in it. Yeah. Well, grief is um, like um, any stress. And then, yeah. Oh, sorry. I've got some internet um, problems. Grief is like any stressful thought. It is you believing a lie. And the lie is I have lost something. You know, something that I had that yes. I no longer had. And even loss is a lie. Even Einstein says, you know, and you can't get rid of energy. Energy just transforms. So I had an experience of something in a way, and now this experience has transformed to a new experience. But then that is life, right? Like our bodies transform. We get older. You know, we go from a baby to an old person. So there is just constant new experiences in, you know, energy shifting. And death is just one of them. But we don't see it like that. We believe the lie that we've lost something instead of there's been a relationship that has now transformed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I really think, you know, your Facebook group is called Doing Grief Differently. I really think that if we can understand that, we don't have to go through the suffering. So many people out there, I don't know, you might have a different experience, Sarah, but so many people out there talk about how grief is so essential and that you have to go through the suffering and that there are these stages. And let me tell you about the stages of grief. 
um, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you can, you can don that perspective if you want to, but then you can also shift your focus and not go through as yeah. much suffering or any suffering. I, I right. mean, I've had many people transition and there's been no suffering uh, because I understand who they are and where they are. Even my father, I thought, he was such a skeptic and I thought, when you transition, I want you to have that conversation with me about, you know, that was that ego part of me that's saying, see, I told you so. I told, I told you, you so. so. <laughs> yeah. And he did not, Of course. He did not come to me and tell me. He did not give me that experience, which was just an ego experience. But he yes. did he did he did come, but he didn't give me that experience. It was so funny. But because uh, he didn't believe in life after death or reincarnation, anything like that. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. you'll find out when you die, Dad. <laughs> anyway, he did find out, but he didn't give me the satisfaction of coming back. And saying, <laughs> you were right. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good story. That's a good story. And so being able to communicate, I was able to kind of, you know, get to know my parents more in spirit, right. you know, in a different way. What, right, different all that way, yeah. in a different way. And I realized it was very difficult because of my upbringing conditioning to see them in any other way. That was so difficult. Right. Yeah. So difficult. And I know that a lot of other grieving parents, it's, you don't want to see them any other way. That's scary. It's the unknown. Yeah. Like, and, you know, God forbid, maybe you're not supposed to communicate, you know, that we were taught that, unfortunately. Um, it just puts all this like, denser energy around it where you don't even want to delve in it you know and then you feel like well then then you realize that it's all about your worthiness that you've really got to go in there and figure this out yeah um and so that put me on a path of learning more about me mm. you know and everything I projected on my family yeah. and getting out of the fixer smoother mode yeah and understanding like one of Adam's first messages to me, I said, you know, I wish I could trade places. Here I am talking to him, but I'm saying, I wish we could trade places. And I'm saying all this stuff, your natural stuff, but he's in spirit. Yeah. And he goes, mom, you've got stuff to do. You've got stuff to do. No, I wouldn't trade places. Oh, we, you got stuff to, what do you mean I got stuff to do? You know, I'm, I'm almost having a argument with him, which I look back now and go, what? Because that's where I was. Yeah. You know, but, I should be so grateful I was communicating with them. And then I got, as I processed that, then I was asked, I could ask deeper questions, thought provoking questions versus, you know, I don't, I, and asking about the accident, why it occurred, you know, all these different things that was very difficult to get there because that means I needed to go into my emotions of that time period yeah. and relive it, see the accident, my mind's eye, go through all that with him. Um, but it was so healing. It was so healing. It was a long process, but it was so worth it. Um, okay, so Adam was a master soul, so he had a lot to teach. So as you said, you said, I wish I could trade places with you. And he said, no, you've got a lot of work to do. So the agreement is, we'll come into the body. You'll be my mom. I'll be your son. I'll leave. And then I'll counsel you from my broader perspective. And you'll you'll give the world some messages about who we are as spirit as well as physical. What's been one of his most profound teachings to you and to humanity? Oh my goodness. Mm. Oh my gosh. There's so many, but you know what? The first thing that just came to mind was 
talking about past lives, other incarnations that I've had with him. Right. And that was huge. It would be, I was like, it would be, I could sit and talk to an, an hour with him and talk about different incarnations. And it so helped me to understand that I didn't have ownership over him. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like, what do you mean I was married to you? Oh, that took a whole different twist to everything. Yeah. It took you out of that so, role as mom, right? Out of the Yes. Role. And it yeah. really helped. Um, because I never even considered that, you know, I believed in incarnation, but it was very limited. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it so helped me to understand the different roles we play. So I can look at different characters in my family and see different aspects of different people. But then it was like, I've had played this role with Adam before also, where he was my child, at least two that I, that he's brought to mind. I'm, I'm sure there's multiple where he died young. One, I caused the accident. Wow. Another one where wow. is I was so grief stricken, I numbed myself and died from alcoholism. Wow. So do so this one was to day. Push, yeah, right. push me forward mm -hmm. and help others. And it kept me, that really kept me going for a long time because I thought, I don't want to ever do this again. I mean, that's where my mindset was. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I am not ever going through this again. Yeah, you know, not yeah. still not understanding, but I knew it was enough to push me forward and say, I get this now to a certain point. I've been there. And that's why some of these feelings of him dying in this life, these things were coming up. Yeah. I just didn't wreck. I didn't know what to do with that. Same thing. You know, it wasn't fitting in anything. Um, but that teaching really helped. So then when I do sessions with others, if needed, if it's warranted, I come and look at a life to show and say, here's a life you also had with your spouse that passed or whatever right. to help you understand you flipped roles. Yeah. You know, yeah. and sometimes um, our loved ones pick a very tragic way of passing. Yeah. As even a huge catalyst. Right. So, okay. So let's just unpack that a bit. Why would they choose a tragic way of passing as opposed to just falling off the roof or, um, like a murder or a stabbing or I don't know, a rape or something like, why would a soul choose that? Like from well, our linear mind, sorry, from our linear yes. mind perspective, we go, what? But they've got a different, right. The most bizarre. Idea. So with Adam, his accident happened at work. There was a court case involved in this. So I can't go into the details of that, but there was some for changes, safety changes to come forward yeah. for my husband and I to be able to stand up and speak for Adam for safety changes to be made okay okay mm -hmm. so this was part of this because i know of other souls who have died in the same way uh -huh. and changes weren't made okay so he had already shown us that he would have died in other areas one was he was going to be electrocuted if he was a lineman for electric company different things it almost like shooed right into this purpose of let's make changes because there are future accidents already out there that could happen. Okay. Um, secondly, he needed to make a huge impact with all his coworkers and all those people in that field who are not working under safe conditions to have a voice. Secondly, to understand that it could have happened to them just as well as it did to him. For them to be more uh, mindful, okay, and to cherish their lives, 
okay, to um, reprioritize their lives because if they're working alongside them, it could easily happen to them. Uh Thirdly, the person who created caused the accident, let's say caused, um, he had a lot of things going on in his own personal life. Not so good. So things needed to change. Mm -hmm. It needed to be stirred. And it created change for that. Mm -hmm. Um, At the expense, obviously, of Adam's life, yes. So um, there was a huge impact with everyone involved from the court case, everything involved. Because they saw what an amazing guy Adam was, is, Is. and that it was a a ripple that's going to keep on going because he was such a bright light. Yeah. So this, the infinite orchestrating power of the universe, there's so much to one story. It's, it's never just like someone dies of an accident. There's like everyone involved. There's just, there's a sacred contract if you like, or an agreement of moving forward. There's just so many things happening with every incident, I suppose, with every incident. And did he talk about, so that was his accident, but did he talk about like other people's, like why would someone choose a a really violent or heinous death? Like why would a soul? Violent. Uh, Well, he does talk a little bit about like the exchange of energy. I don't want to say karma per se, but the exchange of energy that we need to, if you and I talk about someone horrific in history, that there needed to be that catalyst for a group soul you know, soul group for change to happen. Yeah. And we just, you know, in our linear self, we just like, <gasps> it takes us our breath away. But yeah. from that other perspective is like, oh my God, it's still being talked about today. You know, yeah. eons later, you see how these people, we have to have this contrast to grow. Yeah. Right. That's um, it. Not that we want the contrast in our linear thoughts, right? We want everything to smooth. Well, um, as- you know, as humans, we're such funny creatures. We push against contrast, as you call it, like contrast. We push against the traumas of our lives. And yet we get so fixed and so caught up in habitual thinking. Like we get so trapped in our own habits. And it takes great contrast sometimes to snap us out of this, like this constant cycle of habitual energy that we just sort of like we're on a treadmill of habits and and just like you said at the beginning um, we don't see outside the box because we're just so inside the box so you can be in the health industry and not even notice that there are like thousands of energy practitioners in your suburb yes. <laughs> offering, offering right? things that are beneficial <laughs> like you don't I was doing it the book way I was doing it the book way yeah so, yeah, with, so yeah, with great, great contrast comes great transformation. And I think that as humans, and I say humans, we, we up until now, we've had to have this great contrast. I'm wishing, I'm hoping, I'm seeing that that will shift as we raise our vibration collectively and we stop getting into these habitual limited thoughts that we don't need such dramatic contrast in order to wake up or to shift our perspective or transform and um you know that's what the shift is all about we're moving to a a higher density a a higher vibration where there is still contrast it's just not quite as traumatic because it's not a cliff it's more like a speed bump (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then make it, because I even remember saying this out loud to many of my friends before Adam passed. Oh, I just want to get through this life. I just want to sail through this life, you know? Yeah. I'm not the person that, you know, to stir things up, you know? I don't right. want confrontation. I just want to be a good Catholic, whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? And it was just like, oh, no. <laughs> I already thought I had been through so much in my life. I had already been through so much and made right. it through. Right. Not, and I realize now it was just preparation for this. Yeah. Really what it was. Yeah. Um, and the more we go through as healers, the better we are and able to understand and help others. You know, like so many healers or teachers or uplifters have had traumatic lives. And in preparation for helping others, just like Jeff O'Driscoll says, everything you experience, you think that you're experiencing um, for your benefit, but actually it is for you to help others. How does he put it? How does he say it? Um, it's like I experienced this so I can know how to help others. And the, and the, um, the second benefit is that, that it is I get to grow. Like that's the, yes. the first benefit is like, I'll now, I'll now know how to help others. And the second benefit is I get to grow. Yeah. Right. We have to go through it to be able to help others. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't be able to help others who have lost, lost a child. If I had not been through it as, exactly. you know, and to the same degree, yeah. right. Cause I, you know, I can follow their path and see where they're at in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it, with Elisa, what I love about Elisa is that she went from zero to a thousand miles an hour so quickly. So here's a, here's a, a doctor, you know, like well and truly entrenched in her little box of called med medical science, mm -hmm. brought up by militant atheists. And within a short year or two, she's talking about ETs and other dimensions and, you know, and she's having these expanded conversations way off the charts. And she just went so quickly from skeptic to what else is out there you know what i love about elisa is her curious mind did you do that same thing did you sort of move really quickly from very quickly okay very quick it felt like i was on an accelerated master's you know education program of some sort <laughs> but i just went with it i had to like oh my gosh this feels good i had, had to feel good so i knew right. to go i had a lot of people friends and relatives kind of like, you know, leave, but that's okay. I knew I had needed to do for me. I knew that if I would work on my healing in turn, it would help the family heal. Yes. Yeah. That was a huge one. Instead of me focusing on someone else, I was deflecting it. You know what I mean? So it was like, no, I need to work first off. That was another reason probably for me to have such physical pain. I needed to really get in there because I was, it was hard to function. I was in so much physical pain. So that put me on that path of learning more about energy healing and understanding um, like distant energy healing, which I'd never heard of. I mean, it's very similar to prayer or anything else, but I was thinking logically. So that opened up so much more to say, wow, I can apply this in all areas of my life, yes. not just this. And so it put me on a really fast track where I was wanting to learn this and do that. And a fun story is this was about, I don't know, a few months in, three months in, I was reading all the different books, James Van Prague, John Ever, Sylvia Brown, all the ones um, at the library, the free library books, because I was, it helped me stay away from the grief part in my mind if I could focus on reading. So I delved into quiet reading. Um, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to sign up for like emails for the different groups 
So I looked up John Edward and James Van Prague, and I went to sign up, look for workshops in the area once coming to Houston. And I had this box, you know how the robot box shows up and it has like an encrypted message of like a swirly Y and X one, two, three or something you have to put in. You have to type it in to make sure you're not a robot before okay, they'll accept yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I went to put it in and mine came up S-O-N straight across those three wow. letters only. And it was like, I froze on the sofa. I just froze looking at it going, what just happened? And normally I'd have to get my reading glasses on, you know, and figure this out. S-O-N. Oh my God, I'm supposed to be following this site. And I was afraid to even go get my phone to take a picture on the laptop because I was afraid it was going to disappear. Yeah. Right. So I just stared at it for like one minute until it was timing out or whatever. And um, I signed up for James Van Prague workshop, which was about taking place five or six months after he passed. And I went to the mediumship workshop. It was like two and a half days. And it was like, I fit right in. I was like, this is amazing. People are giving me messages from Adam. I'm giving them messages from their loved ones. It was like, I just, I'm a new person. And in that beautiful energy of this facility and that weekend. And it, I realized that I needed to be around like-minded people. Mm. I needed to have good enforcement around me. So, you know, all well and good when you go and do a course. How was hubby and daughter coping with all your new discoveries? Well, okay, let me not call them new. All your rememberings, let me call them. Yes. Uh, actually, my husband even mentioned this yesterday. He goes, I don't like it when you say that you always thought Adam was going to have a short life. That really right. upsets him. Right. It really upsets him. So I try not, you know, he'll be listening to this video and I repeat it, but it's like, um, I know he knows sometimes it clicks right in, but he's my grounder. You know what I mean? He still gets into the politics and different things. So he's my grounder in the house, but he knows that I'm helping others and he knows that I am in a feel good place. And that's the most important part. He gets his own signs and messages. Sometimes he'll say, well, I just heard Adam say da, 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 which is wonderful. It gives him a beautiful sense of peace, Yeah, but he doesn't like to, he's had some beautiful, crazy stories too like amazing ones. He's not big to want to open and share it with everyone. So, but he was pretty on board with it from the get go. He wasn't yeah. resisting it saying, Oh, you know, are you crazy? It's just the mind of a grieving mother reaching at straws. Like he wasn't pushing against your exploration of consciousness. He wasn't. And to me, he wasn't now out of others. He's going, do you think she's okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> think she's okay. Uh -huh. and, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my daughter was on board. She goes, she my generation, on we're on board. Yeah. They've got it. They're with it. Yep. Absolutely. They're on board. Yeah. So it was not a, a stretch for her at all. Yep. You know, um, and each of them have to go through their own. And you know, when a family grieves, you bounce off each other, you're in different places you know, one's here, one's down here, you're all over. And so you try not to take everything, per well, you're not supposed to take anything personally anyway, right? Yeah. But um, it's very hard when you're grieving because you want to be able to lean on someone that understands, mm -hmm. you know, or is a good listener. And what about your friends and work colleagues? How are they with, Ooh. like, because, you know, you're Sarah, the, the personal fitness, you know, the, the mom in, in your your accent mom yeah um and um, this sort of 
you know, like mainstream person and now you're reaching out to mediums and channeling your dead son and channeling Sananda and Jesus and the Ascended Masters. So how were they dealing with it? And did you keep, did you stay in your job or did you change? It's, um, well, I had switched gears like in 2004, 2005. I'd had my own gym, a full gym for many, many years. Right. And then I had lots of life changes in 2004, 2005. One was surrounding the death of my dad at that time. And okay. Adam was in some trouble. He was just finishing high school. There was just a lot of changes. And um, someone else had bought our lease where I had my gym on that property. So it was like, either do I want to rebuild or just move on and do something else? So I had lots of life changes in that time. And when I moved to a facility where I could just rent a space and train athletes is what I did at that point from 2004 up into 2014. Um, and then everyone was on board with everything I was that I opened up to, or at least to my face, they were on board right. with what I was sharing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I kept getting nudged saying, you know, it's time for you to move on. You've got things to do. You're not yeah. growing at this job. These are, this is, you know, you've done your part here. It's time yeah. to move on. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, that was my security blanket, right? You know, versus stepping out into, into the unknown of what to do. Absolutely. Uh, and so what they, this was the archangel, they suggested, they said, well, they, they kept pounding me with this. I needed to write out our message to each of the, my closest coworkers from Christ consciousness like to give to them when I left. Oh, so I would get over that fear. And then two of them, I think were a message from Adam, you know, which they knew, he, they knew they, they would take that, you know, to heart the message from Adam. Yeah. Um, then, you know, that was like on my final day. So when I left, I didn't know how they reacted or how they took it. <laughs> didn't know where they were, but it was like for me to get over that fear of opening myself up to this right? Yeah. And it was so, it was so hard to do. You know, normally you have a going away party or a cake or something. No, I got to give channeled messages to people. <laughs> so how, how were those messages received? Did they, did they receive them graciously? Were they well, profound? Were they rejected? A few of the few that I heard from that I'm still friends with, they received them. They were open arms. Some of them I never heard back. They never even responded that they read them or anything. So okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, that wasn't for me to worry. I wanted to know, but yeah. all I could do is lead by example, right? And yeah. just say, you know, I'm in a good place. Um, I did, would always hear people at work saying, oh, well, you know, she's acting kind of strange or saying strange things. Yeah. And it was hurtful for a little bit, but then I realized, no, they're the ones that have to get out of the box. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like a, I'm telling them, right? I had a brilliant conversation with Bill Bennett, who made a, a documentary about intuition called PGS, your personal guidance system. Intuition is your personal guidance system. And, and he's now doing a docuseries on fear because he realized that what stopped people from tuning into their intuition was fear. And he was a real agnostic atheist. He was a journalist. He was like that, that critical, uh, skeptical mind. And his wife was like into channeling and stuff like that. When he said he was going to make a documentary on intuition, she said, please don't, because <laughs> you don't have, you've got, you don't know anything about it. Anyway, he had his spiritual awakening during making the documentary, which took years. But he realized that 
uh, the skepticism and the attachment to the logical mind was actually fear. It was actually all a part of fear. Uh, fear of looking stupid, fear of being ridiculed, fear of um, not being accepted by his peers and that attachment to like that judgment on people being woo-woo or crazy or it's actually their fear. It's not, yeah. it's, it's, you know, any judgment that people place on you comes from their own fear. And uh, yeah, beautifully, you know, yeah. beautifully said by Bill. And I think that as people going through an expansive awakening journey, uh, we can, you know, we can understand that it's just people not dealing with their own fear if they're ridiculing or judging us. And we don't have to worry about that because that's their journey, not us. Mm. And uh, it, yeah. that would took a lot of doing because I wanted to be accepted by my circle of people, yeah. right? And family, I wanted to be accepted. Yeah. You know, here I was, I, you know, my, my son died. I wanted to be accepted, yeah. but it, cause it all happened so quickly. So yes. I had change after change after change. Yeah. It's interesting because when you're in your grief and your stressful thoughts, there's nothing more isolating than a stressful thought. You know, like the fact that it feels stressful is because it, it isolates you from your truth. And, and then you do yeah. reach out for that connection, connection to family, connection to friends. And so when you're going through this transitioning period, you're feeling less connected to them because now you think differently to them. So it's a real journey isn't it like it it's is. a real journey. it is and it's like it's a it's like a big mind game going on game. <laughs> absolutely and we get hooked on like a go ahead oh it's a delicious journey but so i want to get into because we're sort of uh, running out of time i want to get into okay some of the because i i see adam as this expanded amazing soul you know like eric i think eric and adam are good buddies aren't they on the other side Motorcycle, because they have motorcycle connection too, yeah. Well, they, you know, that's what, that was their connection in their physical life, but they have connections, you know, they have a... Oh, my gosh, they, yes. they have a mandate to, uh, you know, the reason that I put out the first book in the series around death is because this um, paradigm around death and, and, um, and fear, you know, when I asked my guides years ago, what's the thing that causes the most suffering on our planet? And they said death and the misunderstanding of death. So I think that uh, collectively as a human species, we're going through a transition and what it is to understand, to know about death and who we are as spirit. Like when you understand you're an eternal spirit, death ceases to have so much of uh, worry and, um, right, and control. And again, the pandemic is bringing all that up too, because as the propaganda from the mainstream media is telling everybody they have to do this or they're going to die. We have to start facing what it is to die. Like, you know, like on, yeah. on, a, on mass without going through what you've been through or what I've been through. Yeah. Been. yeah. I see so, the whole pandemic is everyone going through a grieving process. The whole planet's yeah. just going through a grieving of whether yeah. it's past life, current life, DNA lineage, your families, it's all just coming to the surface and it's coming yeah. out all different, all different ways. Yeah. So what's Adam been teaching you and your clients? And uh, so you're a reader that is mostly about just reading for people's dead loved ones or are you teaching? Like, I like to do a little bit of everything. Right. <laughs> um, and so it just depends what the client is needing. Sometimes they just need um, guidance in their opening up and finding out what their blockages are. Uh, yeah. And uh, 
they, they need assistance is what they, they need to be self-empowered. So I try to get them into self-empowerment that they can do this, whatever it is, whether it's just, um, re, you know, regarding their fears, their fear of life, not, not even just death, but of life, right? And so there's so many different things that come up individually. Uh, but being more mindful, the mindful practice is huge for everyone because especially with everything that's been going on the past several months, it's very understanding that there is a, the, each of them have a higher purpose. And a lot of people don't even understand that because they attribute it to this, their job or the parent, they're a parent or whatever, something that's in, that they're attached to. Yeah. And so helping them to open up more doors to expand their own views on everything. That is really one of the bigger purposes is to understand that they are so much more than they've ever imagined and, and, and even can comprehend and uh, to work past those fears and worries about everything. It could be anything and everything from worrying about their paycheck to whatever, because when you're in it, you don't know you're in it. Yeah, You know, and that's usually what happens when you're in it, you're not in it. And they'll say, oh, no, I don't worry about that. And then next thing you know, there's a thread about this. And you go, yes, you are. You're not even, they don't understand. And that's being more mindful and being able to open up and receive their higher guidance. Yeah. So that's a huge one is to open up because they may see their higher self as separate. You know, they don't. Or even like uh, incarnation, they see themselves as a clump versus all of us as being one from source. So it's, the, it, it's some people get one avenue, but it's hard to blend the other avenues with it to get yeah. that more expanded view. Yeah. Okay. Because it's happening to someone else. They can see it in others, just like we can help our friends more easily than we can help ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I. So the, a lot of the teachings of that are conversations of uh, a past celebrity, say that someone has committed suicide or whatever, they'll come in and I just listen and just put the conversation out there. You know, I don't get in there to um, stir it so it's one or the other, you know, to cause a conflict. I just said, this is, this is the message they want to give regarding this, you know, um, their expanded view now, you know, whether why they took their life or you know, part of their agreement or whatever it is. So I have to trust that whatever comes through, it's going to be led to the right people in the group. Yeah. But I know, even if it doesn't make sense to me, I mean, of course it's helping me in some way, but if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm supposed to put it, still put it out there for someone. Cause you know how sometimes you have to repeat it, that message several times before you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. About a billion times sometimes. <laughs> It's like every time you hear the same message, you get a new, deeper understanding of it. So, did Adam? So, you started channeling the Ascended Masters first, and then you, um, and then you went to Adam, and you formed this relationship with him. And you've got you've got him on tap all the time. You can just like tune in and like chat away with Adam. Mm -hmm. uh, did he introduce you to your team? I mean, uh, who's your team? Your spirit team? That well, I went through. Because this is funny, when I was talking to the Archangels, you know, like I was getting so like wrapped up in saying Archangel Michael, and it's like, I'd be crying and sobbing and talking. And he goes, well, I've been your guy, always been your guide. Yeah. He goes, well, I feel like I've known you forever. And I go, you've known me forever? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, it took me that logic to go, oh, yeah, because it would have these feelings. So um, I really got involved heavily with uh, St. Germain and... Um, 
with Archangel Michael, the, uh, of many of them. Okay. Um, and it was like, oh, I needed that in the beginning to really like to push me and to um, take my emotions out of it versus families, different, you know. Right. Um, I know I have a Palladian guide. Yeah. Um, I have that. And so I love to deal with, you know, a little bit of her fear picking up anything for me too. Um, I have an uncle who's always coming through who I really wasn't close to in life at all. I only have a couple memories of him, but he's always there and saying, you know, I'm helping guide you. And it's like, okay. And um, a high school friend who she took her life. Uh So who I wasn't close to, but I can always call on her, you know, and it's just like, okay, this is great. And so, um, well, you asked if I have a message for you and I have, (laughs) okay. (laughs) They say that you can play a bigger game. It's, it's interesting. It's a, I, I use those words. It's just an email that somebody sent me recently and that this morning I read and they're the same words. Yeah, the Ascended Masters have always been your guides. And um, even though that you've tapped into a lot, you're still playing small. So when I say playing small, it's not like, you know, I'm not talking about like famous, like celebrity, like we understand the bigger game. I'm not talking about, you know, movie stars, Hollywood movies. I'm talking about feeling worthy of this and not playing like, oh, it's just me. It's just me. And making, talking to Ascended Masters and Archangel Michael and Raphael and Saint Germain, like normal, like anyone could do it. It's not, you don't have to be, so you're still engaged in that, that game of you have to be better or special or different. And um, they say that, you know, your message is very much like my message is to bring this message to humanity that we've all got availability because we are that, you know, if we are an extension of God or source energy, then there is no hierarchy in angels. There's no hierarchy in masters. There is just different frequencies and what we allow ourselves to tune into and everyone has their puzzle piece just like the reader that can only contact the personality of a dead loved one and not their soul that is such an important puzzle piece in this game of awakening on planet earth because there are people that need that validation you know before they want to understand what the soul is or what the soul says to them or their higher self or anything so everyone has their important puzzle piece and there's no hierarchy um yeah, so that's the message that they bring. Well, to thank you. you. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I don't know how that lands for you. I think you uh, understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you've got, you've got access and you're here to teach others how to have access and um, it's easy. And you, we don't have to be special to channel the Ascended Masters because we're all masters. All, all our souls are masters. Uh, it's just, as you say, letting go of those limiting ideas of who we think we are. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're all masters. We're all masters and we've just been in disguise for a while and now we're realizing that we don't need to (laughs) pull everything off. Masters playing a role, you know, playing some role as the you know, as the person asleep. That's that's the role too, as the child, as the mother, as the father. You know, we're all playing roles as someone who's an atheist or a devout Christian or a Catholic. It's all, they're all just roles that we play on earth because in heaven, there's no mm-hmm. religion. 
you know, no religion. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's, gonna, it's, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people, but yes, that's correct. That's right. And then we're all going to make it. Yeah. And one of the biggest messages too, in the beginning from um, all of them that, that, that was coming through was that all is well, always has been, always will be. Yeah. And so that was kind of my mantra kind of stuck with. Yeah. Because I had to really dig in there. Go, okay. I'm feeling it. I'm going to tap through it. I'm going to tap through it. Yeah. yeah. All as well, always has been, always will be. It's donning that perspective inside every tragedy. Yeah. It's to see it as all as well. That's, that's really the, that's the challenge we give ourselves as souls having a human experience. We're going to come into density and we're going to completely forget who we are. And in that remembering, we're going to challenge ourselves to see the divine inside every tragedy and not to get swept up in the avalanche of negative, fear-based, suffering, mm -hmm. emotional thought ideas, thought forms and ideas. Because that's yes. like a river, a current that we can just get washed away with and just like swimming against the current and to see that all is well, let go, let go, let go, and let that current take yeah. you, to take you back yeah. to bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on feeling good. Your focus needs to be on feeling good, feeling heart-centered, feel good. That, that's the most important, and everything else just kind of falls into place. Yeah. There's so much more I wanted to ask you, but we've kind of run out of time. I wanted to ask you about uh, what he says about extraterrestrial life, um, does he go there? Like, does he talk to you about, do you ask him questions? Like, are you as curious as Lisa and ask him about all those things? I or did. And I, I really, I dealt, I did dive into that in the very beginning. Like, you know, when I wanted to know everything when I was yeah. like, Oh, I want to know this and this. And then it was like, wait, I need to focus on releasing and healing and then right. come back around to it because yeah. it was like, I knew I wanted to know everything, you know? Um, and so it was like, Oh, Pleiadian life. Oh, Ryan, because I found myself in the very beginning in those first few months, I would wake up in the middle of night, you know, like spirit normally does in the beginning, you, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, trying to get your attention. I would go outside and just stare at Orion's belt in the sky. And I didn't know why. So I did that for many weeks, but then it was like, Oh, I need to start figuring out what this is about. Like, what am I looking for? I'm looking for shooting stars. No, I'm focusing on the Pleiadian, right? The seven sisters. Right. So it was like, Oh, this is fascinating. So I do have some good friends. Uh, I've met so many wonderful, wonderful people, you know, since Adam passed. And yeah. we have a lot of them right here in the Texas area. Yeah. You know, that I really connect with. Yeah. And uh, we have a good time just talking a little about every, but I, know, I have a couple of good friends that they, they're always all about galactic beings. That's what they kind of dive into or, you know, I'm more about um, the grief end of it. Now on the yeah. side, I do all different things, of course. Um, but it's so like, you, you see that fascinating. as you see that as your puzzle piece, kind of helping people people deal with grief. At least right now, yes. Yeah. At least right yeah. now doesn't yeah. mean I won't expand out into more. Yeah. Um, but it's just it all comes. That's this puzzle piece. Now all the other puzzle pieces still come into it. It all comes yeah. into play, yeah. right? Yeah. And the more I can, like you, you know, you've been doing this forever. Pull out and just go. Oh, oh. Oh, you know, you have these aha moments and you're like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. Mm. And um, 
I know I'm a bit like you. I'm so curious about everything. And, and hence I have these great conversations with so many different people on the show. But my puzzle piece is really to show people how to flow their energy, which is, is what you're doing too, but you're mm -hmm. calling it grief. Is to show people that they can think differently and when you do think differently and let go of limiting ideas about yourself, then you have more access to creating anything you want, like not only in your personal life, but as a collective, like we can create anything as a human society. We don't have to believe the rhetoric or the narrative of the mainstream you know, media, what's pumped out to us as what's possible and what's not possible. When you know that you're the creator of your own reality, anything is possible. And so that's my puzzle piece, I think. But then like you, I'm so curious about everything else. But the thing about the ETs is they totally know that. You know, they're, they're, they have um, the understanding that we're all one, that we're all an extension of source energy. You know, they have a very strong idea about source or we call it God, but we, they call it source. Um, and they know that they're the creators of their own reality and they can create, you know, amazing things or amazing things are available to us when we understand that we're unlimited in our creativity and possibility. I incredible things. Not just talking to dead relatives, but <laughs> but creating new worlds, new societies, rejoining our galactic family and uh, space travel and exploration and new ways of energy, you know, just anything. New health systems, new healing. Like I remember Esther Hicks said, um, if belief governs everything, then why when you chop off somebody's arm, it doesn't grow back. And she said, because of belief, if you believed it would, it would. So that's, wow, how, that's crazy how deep, is, deep right? rooted we are in our beliefs. That's right. Yeah. And are the ETs understand that because if it's all energy, all you have to do is just recalibrate that energy and bang, it grows back if you chop your arm off. So it's like, it's just crazy to think of the possibilities available when we understand mm -hmm. how, to, how to flow our energy. It's all exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. so exciting. And then yeah. implementing it and just in your own family dynamics, you know, yeah. and see how it's all going to play out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, dying one, it's been so beautiful to speak with you today. Thank you so much oh, for thank sharing. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank your you. Story. I so enjoyed it. And I'm so glad to meet you. Yeah, you've been <laughs> instrumental in my healing. And I, I want to thank Aww. you for that. Oh, yeah. thank you. That's so sweet. And I look forward to chatting with Adam. <laughs> Yes, go for it. <laughs> so lovely to talk with Sarah. The two of us have just spent an hour yakking after the show, as you do. And she gave me an amazing reading, actually. And I said, why didn't you give me a reading when she was on the show? But anyway, we were discussing, we were discussing how we can play small. But, um, and I think that she didn't do the reading with me on the show. For who knows why? But Adam came through and she said that even before... Uh, we had our conversation today. She got this message for me before the show. So she relayed the message to me about this past life and receiving money and tips and feeling like it was really, really interesting. But the past life was set in the 80s, not like in some distant time. And it was not what I was doing in the 80s, but she was, but there was an energy around it that was pertinent to my life now. It was really fascinating. So she's really good at what she does. Uh, she's really good at what she does, as we all are. Um, but yeah, she, she's got so much more to share. Anyway, I'm trying to get her on Elisa's show. She and Elisa are good friends, but she's never been on the show. And I'm like, get out there, girl. 
because uh, obviously she's got access to, you know, channeling Eric and Ascended Masters. She said Wayne Dyer uh, came to say hello, who's one of my mob. And I said, yeah, I talk to Wayne all the time. I love Wayne. And she saw that. And um, yeah, so she's, she's good. It was, it was lovely to get that confirmation of her, um, her access and her ability. Wonderful. So I hope you enjoyed that, uh, enjoyed the show and uh, you've got, you've, you know, you received, especially to all the teachers out there and people tuning into their own guidance. I think the most important thing she said about receiving guidance, and this is what I was coaching my tribe with on Monday because we were doing um, receiving guidance, whether you're receiving guidance for yourself or guidance for others. And what I did with my tribe on Monday was um, there was only a couple of us online because it was Father's Day in the States. I forgot Monday here, Sunday over there was I got them to do readings on each other and they didn't know each other. And I asked the person not to ask a question, to just tune in and give them a reading without actually having a question. Because I think that sometimes when people ask you a question, your mind can get all caught up in what you think the answer is. But if you're doing a reading for somebody and, and they don't ask you a question, like just bring through some guidance for this person, your mind still gets in the way. What? What am I supposed to do? But I was asking them to feel what they're feeling and notice what they're noticing. And that's what Sarah said too about receiving guidance. Because when we've created an intention to be of service to another, then our whole being is engaged in that intention. So even though we might have pains in our body in different places or stiffness or aches or soreness or whatever, when we engage in being of service to others, our feeling senses in our own physical being is going to be a message for that person, even though it might be our own soreness. But remember, like attracts like. So like I'm feeling a sort of a block in my throat area as I think of you, um, even though I feel that block with myself it's still a message for that other person. So we really have to tune into how we're feeling. That's what psychic ability is and letting that feeling guide us. And sometimes it comes in the form of a physical sensation or an emotion, or you see an image or you hear some thoughts, even your own thoughts in your head. You just, or you have a memory that's given to you. I find guidance for me is very much, I'm given memories. I'm given memories of conversations I've had with people. I'm given images of memories I've had. And all of it is guidance and all of it is meaningful. And um, as you follow that trajectory, as you follow that stream and you don't question it or judge it or doubt it, it'll open to even broader and wider guidance for yourself and others. Because most of the guidance I gave people when I was first doing this was much more pertinent for me than it was for them. I'm, I'm sure it was pertinent for them, but I was learning so much from it as well. So we're all learning, you know, so guidance can be for both of us. It doesn't necessarily only have to be for the person that you're reading or helping or teaching. Anyway, it's all fun. It's all good. and It's all beautiful. And Sarah is really good at it. And she's had an amazing story, uh, journey. She's had an amazing journey with Adam. And Adam's such a light. I was tuning into Adam, such a beautiful, magnificent, light, amazing soul. Beautiful soul. Well, we're all beautiful souls. Just some people show their light brighter than others do. But we all come from the same source. No one is higher or better than anyone else. We're all an extension of source energy. There is no hierarchy. There is only our beliefs. 
Yeah, so I've got the beautiful Shirley Batty coming up on the show. Amazing healer, amazing, beautiful light weaver on this planet coming up next week. I'm, I look forward to chatting with her. And um, Rob Schwartz is coming into the Inner Sanctum, as I said last week, who talks about soul contracts and soul plans. And uh, he's a wealth of information. He doesn't say he's psychic. He doesn't talk about it. He calls himself a researcher, but I've, I I. I rarely put researchers on the show because I like to speak to people who have their own access. But it's interesting that some people see themselves as a researcher, but they have amazing access to broader and expanded awareness. He thinks that he's researching it, but he's got this incredible access. Anyway, he's quite an amazing, quite an amazing man. And, and he's doing incredible things in this world, helping people understand why we experience the things we experience here on earth and um, and the contracts or the agreements we make with our soul family before we get here and the lessons that we learn beautiful love this stuff so join us if you want to uh, meet rob and i'm online every week at the moment teaching every week and we do different things we just show up and share and we do things like you know tapping into our guidance expanding our awareness of our intuitive abilities and and um, yeah anything goes it's um, it's a sharing circle it's a supporting circle it's an expansion circle it's beautiful and i love it we all have fun big love to you all remember to buy the book awakened by death thanks so much for supporting the show and if you like the shows and you want to contribute to the shows you can make a donate button uh you can make a donation on the donation button or um you know join our inner sanctum or have a session with me big love Bye for now.